This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Here is your guest host, Jane Brown. Most of us recognize the pharmacist at our local pharmacy, but who are the other employees in the dispensary and what role do they play in your health care? From pharmacy assistants to consulting specialists, pharmacy, pharmacist Billy Chung of the Ontario Pharmacists Association is here with us today. Welcome back, Billy. Hi, Jane. And you're introducing us to the various members of the pharmacy team and how each of them is helping to ensure that we get the care we need every time we visit the ca- the pharmacy. And it does seem yeah. like a beehive of activity back there. <laughs> There's lots going on behind the counter. I'm sure that when uh, your listeners are approaching the pharmacy counter, they see usually at least two or three. And depending on how busy the pharmacy is, there could be five or six people right there behind that uh, counter. And you're probably wondering what they're doing. Yes. Right. Um, so I guess maybe we'll start with obviously there is a pharmacist at least back there. And uh, that's a requirement. If the pharmacy's open, there's always a pharmacist on staff. And uh, that pharmacist is responsible for overseeing essentially everything that's happening, but specifically ensuring that the, the, the clinical needs of the prescriptions that are being filled are accurate and correct. But there are other people back there that are not pharmacists, and I guess people maybe wonder why or who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so over the years, what we've seen is that there are some, uh, uh, some other changes in terms of the staffing. Uh, there are pharmacy assistants, Okay, so that's, the, that's probably the, the main person that some people will see in addition to being back there. And that's the person that helps the pharmacist in terms of actually doing the physical filling of the prescriptions. So getting the bottles, getting the correct bottles, counting the pills, things like that, right? Um, so those pharmacy assistants, they help out. Um, but there's a new role that has recently taken on uh, that some pharmacies will see, which is a registered pharmacy technician. And this is an actual regulated healthcare professional in Ontario and a number of the other provinces as well. They uh, are licensed by the Ontario College of Pharmacists. They're not pharmacists, but they have specific training in terms of the actual dispensing of prescriptions and checking of the prescriptions. And they also have the uh, legal accountability to also then sign off on what is uh, written on the prescription being correctly being put in the bottle. So they do actually have some uh, legal ability to do some things that the pharmacist used to be the only person to do if I'm making sense. Okay, so they're, they're not a... Far- what would their education be? So they have at least two years um, college education, mm-hmm. okay? Along with that, there's a whole bunch of licensing requirements that they also need to do, including writing uh, a licensing exam, doing practice hours. Uh, so they actually have to do a, a training uh, program that requires them to check 500 prescriptions consecutively without making any mistakes before they're even allowed to be 
um, registered. Okay. And that's uh, obviously it's a, in that in that format that uh, checking process is actually in conjunction with the pharmacist. So the the this technician would check it, and then the pharmacist would check it. And they, until they actually do 500 without making any mistakes at all, they're not allowed to be a registered technician. So lots of training and background before they even be allowed to be uh, uh, that licensed. Why provider. was this profession developed and not just left with the pharmacist? <laughs> so uh, interesting, you, you asked that, and as you can see, and listeners probably seen as well, is that you see your pharmacist doing so many things now, right? Your pharmacist is providing vaccinations. Your pharmacist is providing medication reviews. In some provinces, pharmacist is prescribing. They're doing so much more now. And to enable that pharmacist to do that, um, some of the technical things that the pharmacist used to do no longer needs to be done, right? And as long as we put the safeguards in place to have somebody who's prof- uh, professionally trained to do some of those technical aspects, you leave all the clinical, the therapeutic, a lot of the things that the pharmacist goes to school for, um, they focus on that. And then you have the technician focus on the actual cl- um, technical aspects of what needs to be done from a dispensing. And the pharmacy assistants that are behind the counter, mm-hmm. what kind of of, uh, training, education do they have? The assistants are not a regulated profession. So they're just hired into the role. Um, in many cases, these pharmacy assistants are, um, uh, they could be hired just new into the role or they could be brought in from uh, other areas of the pharmacy to, to work in the pharmacy as well. They're usually trained on site, but there are, the, and before this whole regular technicians, there used to be some training programs for them as well. Um, so they're trained on site, but they don't have the legal accountability in authority. In other words, everything they do is still checked by either a regulated technician or a pharmacist as well. Yeah. So but they help. They help, but in, in terms of handling medication and, and they, they have to have had some hours of training before they're actually doing the job, would that be safe to say? The assistants would be trained within the pharmacy. Okay. Yeah. So it, there's no uh, specific requirement to have them uh, be trained within a school type of a system. So you can bring somebody to help out. And really, at the end of the day, pouring pills into a bottle, counting and things like that, you don't need that specific, um, what do you call it, uh, uh, extra training that's required, right? So you can't do that in the store. It's the actual checking, the technical, some of those technical tasks that do need that extra training that's there. 416-360-0740, one 740 It's a hot day. It's a humid day. Maybe you were planning to go to the pharmacist today, taking a walk. Instead, you can give us a call and talk to Billy Chung from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, our trusted contributors here at Zoomer Radio. 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Questions for pharmacist Billy Chung. Now, who can give advice? J- just the pharmacist, right? When you want to actually talk about medicine yes. and, and, and symptoms and that kind of thing. You want a face-to-face with your pharmacist. Exactly. And this change in terms of who's responsible for who behind the pharmacy actually allows that pharmacist to give advice. And you've probably seen it. Your pharmacist comes out behind the counter, and hopefully your pharmacist does that, and they're asking you questions about cough and cold if you're asking for those types of things. Uh, and they could spend more time out there because they don't have to be in the back necessarily all the time every minute um, of the day. So the pharmacist is the one who's allowed to give the 
clinical and therapeutic advice. If you're simply asking for a product, let's just say I want X product, do you have it? Then a pharmacy technician or assistant or anyone in the store who knows where that product is located, located can help you with that. Um, but if they're trained well, they may ask you questions. Have you taken it before? Oh, no. Let me get you the pharmacist. Right. Let's get some questions. Right. Because you will often see that even when you're up and down the aisles, the mm-hmm. pharmacist is out talking to somebody in the aisle, picking up the different bottles uh, and discussing the pros and cons of medications and your symptoms. It's, it's um, I mean, there really is a consult of process going yeah. on. There's, there's a reason why those medications are in the pharmacy and not at your convenience store or a gas station. And uh, the reason is that there, there are drugs in there. They can interact with other drugs that you're taking, and uh, they could interact with diseases and conditions that you may have as well. So um, by having it in the pharmacy, even though it could be self-serve and you could grab it from a convenience perspective because you've taken it before, there's the availability of a pharmacist, a healthcare professional to help you there. What kinds of questions do you welcome at the pharmacy? What are what what kinds of questions do you as a pharmacist um, think it's important for patients to come to you for as opposed to their doctor? I, I think what you're uh, seeing today and a lot of people because whether they can't find a family doctor or whether it's hard to get into their doctor's office, uh, make an appointment, whether it's after hours, um, your pharmacist is acting as a triage in terms of a healthcare professional for you. Um, the pharmacist is trained. They've got at least five years university education. Uh, what you're seeing is that when you go into the pharmacy, um, for whatever health or medical condition, that pharmacist is trained to help to identify, okay, does this um, situation require something over the counter? Does it require something that is on prescription that you need a refill for? Or does it require you to go see a um, a physician right away? Or does it require you to go to the hospital right away? And we've seen that. And even if you think about it, some of the pharmacies have blood pressure machines and things like that. And I've known of pharmacists who have seen someone take a blood pressure reading. They may not have seen their doctor regularly and said, you know what, I'm going to send you right away to the, the, the doctor right now because your blood pressure is way too high that needs to be there. Um, some of the other things we can see, I mean, we usually see like people come in for pain or cough and colds and things like that. And again, you triage and you try to figure out, is this something that can be dealt with? Is this something that is, you know what, I, I, you think you, you need to see the doctor first. Are there any uh, legal implications of the advice that you're giving? I mean, uh, are you erring on the side of caution always? So for instance, that scenario you brought up about sending somebody directly to the hospital because of their blood pressure reading. Is that, is that kind of the way your mind works when you're dealing with uh, patients? I, I don't know if, um, I don't think pharmacists, and I know myself as well, I don't think we think about, okay, am I erring on the side of, from a legal consideration? I think we're, we we simply err on the side of, okay, what's in the best interest of this patient based on the information that's been presented? That's why your pharmacist asks a lot of questions. And you may wonder why, right? Like, we'll start with, okay, do you have any medical conditions? Do, have you taken uh, any other medications before? Uh, have you tried this product before? It, it's all part of that kind of the uh, reasoning behind, okay, let's see what's the right thing for you, right? So I think at the end of the day, what you're looking to do is to to triage and say, you know what, it may be something simply to say, take this for the next day or two, but if it doesn't improve, I want you to see the doctor right. versus something that is more urgent. And you'll be surprised. I mean, I can't think of something specific, but you'll see some people come in where it's something that's like, they may not have identified requires more urgency, but it does. 
right? And it may be simply just the type of cough or the number of days that it's been going on, the level of the fever that the person may have, or even the type of pain that the person's talking about. It may not be generalized. It may be sharp, specific, and they're maybe not feeling like going to the doctor and they come to the pharmacy and the pharmacist is like, as much as you may not want to go to the doctor, we're going to send you there because it sounds like there might be something else going on. First, uh, first-hand health care right there yeah. in your local yeah. pharmacy. Easily accessible. We'd uh, welcome your calls today. If you have a question for our pharmacist, Billy Chung from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, our trusted contributors here at Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. We'd love to hear from you today. 416-360-0740, you are listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're discussing your local pharmacy team, what all those employees are doing behind the counter at your local pharmacy. 416-360-0740, Our trusted contributor, Billy Chung of the Ontario Pharmacists Association is here, and we've got George on the line in Etobicoke. Uh, you have a question for our pharmacist? Go yes, ahead. Yes, I do. Okay. Hi, George. Uh, hello, Billy. Um, Hello? Yep. Yes, we're listening. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm taking a Voltaren uh, for arthritis, and I've been taking it a long time. And every time I go to the doctor, they, they're, they're trying to get me to stop the taking this. And they give me other stuff, and most of it is just painkillers. Yeah, now, the, the, one, the one that I'm, that I'm taking is, uh, uh, the, the name of it is uh, Apro... Uh, Decilo SR, 100 milligrams. What, what is your take on, on that? They say it's, it's really bad for your stomach. Yeah, well, the um, what you described there is the the Voltaren, is the diclofenac, and uh, it's an anti-inflammatory. So it's um, it's a distant relative to aspirins, but it's similar to like ibuprofen and and naproxen and things like that, right? And what it does is it helps with the inflammation that you find in the joints with the with your arthritis. So um, it works, um, but it does have side effects, and that side effect is is that it can have a negative effect on your stomach. So Typically, what uh, your pharmacist would usually have you do is to make sure you're taking it with some food, so there's something in your stomach to help protect you with that. Um, sometimes the doctor might prescribe you a misoprostol, a, another medication that helps to protect the lining of your stomach as well. In some cases, not everybody. But that um, has a lot of side effects as well. Potentially as well. And so really, it's kind of a plus or minus, how bad is the arthritis, what you can take, what can't you take. There are some people that are taking the acetaminophen, the Tylenol, uh, for arthritis now instead of anti-inflammatories, and uh, I know that that can work for some people as well, but that also has some side effects, right? So it's, uh, it is it is a tough thing, and that's what your doctors are probably trying to figure out. Your pharmacists are probably looking at it saying, what's the best for you to, to do that? Now, does the Voltaren cause the stomach uh, side effects to everybody? No. So that's why it's important to know the symptoms, to watch for things, uh, to take it with food. And in many cases, lots of people take it for many years without any problems, and people take it without any problems at all, right? So if you're not having problems, then... It may not be an issue. Is that helpful, George? It sure is. Thanks very much. Oh, you're welcome. 
Thank you for calling in. 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Billy Chung of our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Uh, speaking as we were about the employees behind the counter, how do you all help each other out? Because it looks very efficient <laughs> and systematic. It, I'm glad it does look efficient because <laughs> depending on the day. Um, kind of like a newsroom. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what you'll find. So the busier pharmacies um, likely works more like an assembly line in the back, okay, where you have people specifically assigned. You have somebody who's assigned to do the the order entry, the data intake, right? So the prescription comes in and needs to get into the computer system somehow. You have people that are assigned to actually go grab the bottles from the shelves, dispense it, and so forth. Or you may have automation in the pharmacy where you got a robot working, you got somebody who's controlling that. And then the end of the assembly line is the people doing the checking, and then the uh, the pharmacist doing the checking and the counseling uh, of you and letting you know all about the medication. And then you could have a clerk or a cashier at the end of the line. So you can see all the different people in there. Now, depending on the day, if it's not a very busy pharmacy, it could be two people. If it's on a Sunday and you go to a pharmacy, you may have just a pharmacist that does all those things, <laughs> right? Right. Um, so it really varies. And uh, basically, it's a very big team approach. Everybody in the, in, the, in the pharmacy knows that, okay, they have a given role, but they also know that, okay, if there's a pharmacist that's counseling or if the pharmacist is checking, then the phone rings. It's not the pharmacist that may pick up that phone because you may have somebody else do it so you're not interrupting somebody, right? So there's a, there's a lot of kind of figuring out that happens, but the team kind of figures that out, right? Right. And then with the, the frontline person, the person that you hand your prescription to, mm-hmm. uh, I, they will call and get your insurance company involved if you're not sure about your coverage and what specific type of medication, whether you get the generic drug or the brand name drug, et cetera. Yeah, if needed. So the uh, systems for pharmacies are very, uh, very good nowadays where the pharmacy is actually connected um, through the Internet to the various insurance companies uh, through providers, right? And so when they fill a prescription, basically we get messages that bounce back at us and let us know, okay, is all the information correct? Is the date of birth correct? Is the name correct? Is um, is the drug covered? Is it covered for the full cost or is there a deductible? All that information comes back. Uh, there used to be a day where you had to fill it out papers and send it and mail it in and, and so forth, but it's now electronic. So it's easier today, um, but there are some medications that maybe are high cost, some medications that may require pre-approval, um, things like that. So in some cases, the pharmacy will let you know whether you need to you need to call the insurance company or whether they'll call the insurance company and get the approval. Um, they they kind of they're very experienced with this. It's it's not new, right? It happens regularly for them. And not every script your doctor gives you is going to be covered by your insurance company. That's correct. I mean, I'm thinking about when I had my first colonoscopy after turning fifty, and all of that the, the drink and the gal yeah, yeah. all that stuff they give you that none of that is covered yep. by the insurance company. And I I had thought oh maybe that will be covered. The uh, insurance companies are uh, challenged these days. They're they're struggling because what's happening is that the costs of uh, running these drug plans have been increasing. And it's it's the fact that, you know what, there's more and more medications to deal with things, more and more medications to keep people to be able to do what they need to do each day, right? So they're trying to manage those costs. So they need to make decisions on what they cover and what they don't. They try to make sure the critical stuff gets covered in most cases. Um, most plans now cover generic medications as the first line first. And if you're somehow allergic to some of them, then maybe they'll cover the brand. 
Um, there's uh, plans now that say, you know what, uh, you need to pay the cost difference if you're doing a brand name. Uh, I remember the day when over-the-counter drugs, people would be able to get covered, like just regular Tylenol and things like that. They would cover it on a plan. It doesn't happen very often anymore. 416-360-0740, Janet, uh, you're on Fight Back. Go ahead. Question for Billy Chung. Hi. Uh, I'm taking this Celebrex uh, 200 MG uh, once a day. I want to know, is there any risk to the stomach? Um, there is less with the with the medication you're taking, right? So, and that's probably what you you heard from your doctor and your pharmacist when you prescribed that. So, it is. Uh, I'm assuming you're taking it for arthritis, correct, Janet? Uh, yeah, for yeah. the pain on my foot. Yeah. So, uh, again, it helps you out with the pain. Um, the main thing is that you're taking that uh, you're you're taking that when you need it. You're you're being watched and monitored by your pharmacist. So, when you go into your pharmacy, your pharmacist, uh, when you're refilling that prescription, so will ask you how you're doing. Make sure that nothing new or different comes up. Okay. Um, and then if you start experiencing anything unusual or different, right? So, but yeah, that one is a little bit better from a, your stomach perspective than some of the other options. Good, Janet. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, thanks for calling in. Sophie and Etobicoke, go ahead. Your question for pharmacist Billy Chung. Hello, Mr. Chung. Hi there. I have a question regarding lactulose. I hope you can help me. Um, my husband has a chronic condition and he's been taking lactulose for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, the brand is PMS. Yep. And uh, recently, the, the, the big chain of pharmacies we use, they tell me that it's on back order, on back order. So they switched to Urolac, and he cannot drink that. He refuses to drink it. Okay. He says it's, it's just how or whether he just refuses to drink it. So what are my options? He's refusing to drink it because it's it different, a, or has he tried it? Not drinkable, he says. It doesn't taste right. That's right, exactly. Yeah, okay. I would I would suggest, uh, have you spoken with your pharmacist yet? Yes, many times, and they're like, kind of, what can we do? It's on back order. Yeah, it's, it's a tough situation, right? Because there's only so many manufacturers of a particular product. Right. And um, in, it, it's been happening more and, for, more and more, unfortunately, over the last few years where we're seeing some of these back order items where it's, um, uh, it, it could be out for like a few months to even like a, close to a year in some cases. Um, so the fact that there's an alternative is good. Um, uh, so you do have an option, but uh, it's a tough one. I would probably say continue to talk to your pharmacist, see if there's other options. Um, the lactulose is very specific. It is something that uh, can, it, it, lots of people will use it for long term for certain conditions to right. make sure that your bowels are moving properly, right? right? So um, some of the other laxative options don't work the same way and may not be right for your, your husband. And that's why right. it's important for you to talk to the doctor, talk to the pharmacist and see what the options are. I'm hoping the lactulose is not long-term. I don't think it is a long-term, so it may come back at some point in time. But you do have options. I, I know that there's another back order of a seizure medication uh, not long ago that were, there were, there's not that many options for that. So you cannot really recommend a different product? I don't know what else is in stock right now, okay. but there are different manufacturers of lactulose. So right. um, see if there's another one that's available, and that's when you speak to your pharmacist. Okay, uh, Sophie, I, I want to get to the other callers. No, that's great. Thanks so much. Oh, you're I welcome. Really appreciate it. No problem, okay, Sophie. thanks for calling in. Lee in Mississauga, you're on Fight Back. Go ahead. Is this me? Yeah, it's you, Lee. Yes. Um, I have a suggestion I asked the doctor. 
I occasionally, I'm not a drinker of that sort, you know, I have um, type 2 diabetes of the day. The, <laughs> they found out. Anyhow, that's about two years ago. Okay, I'm quickly. Saying, when I'm in Jamaica, uh-huh. my blood pressure is way down, way down. And I'm here now. It's normal in a sense, and it varies at times. But my question to the doctor is that if I drink some tea, I, you, I pass water. If I drink a beer or two, I pass water. So why would I be taking this water pill from a pharmacist? Why? Why should I? Okay, let's let's quickly get to the answer for that. I'm I'm not sure I have an answer yet because I'm not sure exactly in the question, but it, it seems like you're on a water pill, so it's for blood pressure, and what you're saying is that your blood pressure is normal, correct? I've let him go. Okay. Um, so, anyways, blood pressure, normal. I mean, the water pill is it helps you reduce blood pressure. And I would use an analogy. It's like a garden hose. You're turning the tap down a little bit, right? So uh, it, it basically drains the water out of your system, so it's less less water in the hose type of a thing. Um, so drinking tea, drinking a beer, I think it was mentioned, things yeah. like that. It's fluid, so your body's going to want to expel that. And if you're on that medication, it's going to be more effective in terms of expelling the fluid itself. Okay. So, um, but I'd say if, if you're still listening, I'm assuming uh, – check. Talk to your pharmacist that's here and just see, because uh, uh, you said you said that you're on this pill, so there has to be a reason for it. But you need to make sure, obviously, your blood pressure is controlled. That's very important. Okay, I'm unfortunately have to leave a couple of calls uh, on the line here. Suzanne from Hamilton, you've got about ten seconds to ask your question. Yes, thank you. Um, osteoporosis. My doctor recommended four different drugs. All of them have nasty side effects. So I'm just wondering if one is the best. Okay. Uh, okay, good question. Quick quick question. Um, speak to your pharmacist about it. Those four drugs are probably some of the uh, the um, uh, newer osteoporosis medications out there, generally well tolerated. So I know you may be looking at the long list that's printed out there, but the percentage of people that generally are tolerating that is good, and the risk for osteoporosis is really uh, something you want to protect yourself from. So the medication uh, benefits probably outweighs the risks. Thanks, Billy. No problem, Jane. Billy Chung of the Ontario Pharmacists Association, our trusted contributors here at Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.